Our reading today comes from James chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Each of the books of the Bible seems to have its own unique character, the distinctive things about the letter that make it different from other parts of the Bible. And we're starting today looking at the book of James and it's an unusual book when you compare it to the other letters that we have, the other epistles that we have in the New Testament. Um, As I said last week, Martin Luther wasn't a great fan of the book of James, he called it an epistle of straw. But can I say with the deepest of respect for Martin Luther, I've got a feeling that he misread James. There's a greater depth to this book than Luther seems to give credit. This is a book that regularly brings to mind the things that Jesus has said and taught. Sure, James doesn't have the same theological depth of a book like Romans, but it's not issues of theology that James is seeking to address. James is writing to a group of people who have their trust in Jesus and he's encouraging them to keep on going, to keep pressing on in their faith. I kind of think that it's a bit like the half-time talk that a coach will give to a team. When the coach gives that little half-time talk, he's talking to a group of people who are already playing the game, who are already on the team. He's not trying to encourage them to join, they've already joined. He's not explaining to them the basics of the game, they're already playing the game. What he's doing is telling them what to look out for in the second half. 
He's helping them to be better as a team as they go back out onto the field to play in that second half. And he's encouraging them to keep going, to keep pressing on, to persevere. And I think the, James, the, the letter of James is like that as well. Perseverance and endurance are two of the words that will regularly come up in our minds as we're looking at what James has to say. Now, the letter starts in a kind of slightly surprising way. If, you, uh, if someone asked you to finish this sentence, what kind of response would you give? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever... How would you finish that sentence? Whenever the family come to visit? Uh, whenever lockdown comes to an end? Uh, whenever you get to have a lamb roast? Or maybe whenever the tigers win or manly get beaten, either one I'd be happy with. But have a look at what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, that's not what you're expecting him to say. In fact, that almost doesn't sound right, does it? Why would I consider it joy to face trials? Why are hard times a time for rejoicing? Well, look at what he goes on to say. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. James says that it's the difficult times, the trials that we face in our life that help us to mature, to become more the people that God wants us to be. They're the shaping times in our lives. They're the times when we're going to be forced to trust God even more. They're going to be the times when we're going to grow in our relationship with God. That's not to say that they're enjoyable times, but the result it produces, the maturity that comes out of that, well, that is something that's worthwhile. I had a friend who was travelling down to Canberra for work for a few months uh, he would go down on Monday, they would drive down, he went down with a workmate of his and they would drive down on the Monday and drive back on the Friday and they spent quite a lot of time together during that week and they got to know each other a little bit better. Uh, my friend wasn't a Christian at this stage and he was travelling with an older guy who was a keen Christian and as, they heard, as he heard the story of this older man, he couldn't believe what he was hearing. This man's wife had died while she was very young uh, they, he had a young daughter and she had also died. Uh, he'd been involved in a business that had failed, which left him hugely in debt. And on one of those trips, my friend said to him, how can you keep trusting God when he's let all of those things happen to you? And the older guy said, are you kidding? It's only been my faith in God that's got me through all of those things. God wants to see us grow and mature as his people. And it's often in those tough times that we learn that greater dependence upon God. It's in those tough times that we recognise how important prayer is. It's in those tough times that we learn how important it is for Christians to meet together and to seek to encourage each other and strengthen each other in their faith. But then look at the next thing that James says, verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. 
It's interesting that money is one of the first things that James wants to talk about in this letter. We're just nine verses in and he's already got onto the topic and he'll come back to it again. It's a subject that comes up a number of times in this letter. But I suppose it's because money is a problem when you've got it and when you don't have it. James tells the poor not to worry about how much they have. In fact, they should take pride in their humble circumstances. Those who are poor need to remember that even the bank balance is not a measure of how good things are. Certainly not in the eternal scheme of things. In the eternal scheme of things, they're rich because of what they have in Jesus. They've got something that money can't buy. If you're like me, I'm sure that it's very easy to lose sight of that. It's very easy to keep checking your bank balance. You've got your bank app on your phone and you can check and see how much is in there. It's easy for money to distract you from your relationship with God. And the warning James has for the rich is fairly stinging. It's there in verse 10. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls, its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Quite the twist, isn't it? James says the rich should take pride in their humiliation, in their low, in their low position. I doubt that's something that the rich people would have wanted to hear. James says that those who have material wealth need to remember that that is going to pass away. Money and possessions are not what really matters in this life. They are not where your security is found. In fact, money will be one of the great hindrances in your relationship with God, or it has the potential to be. One of the things that always surprises me is the drop-off rate among Christians when they start out in their career or when they get a mortgage. It seems to be their two fairly significant turning points. It's as if being a Christian and having a mortgage really don't seem to fit terribly well. I can think of many Christians who start their career and then they want the bigger house and the better car and all of the other wonderful things that money can buy. And soon there's less and less room for God. Their Christian life can end up taking a second place and they don't really have too much time to be involved with Christian things anymore. I have no doubt that's why James wants to put this here right at the beginning of this letter because I'm sure that it wasn't any different back then. Money can be one of the biggest disruptors, one of the biggest distractions for us growing in our relationship with God. Pressing on in our Christian lives means that we keep our attitudes about money in check, subservient to God in the way that we live and handle those things. James has mentioned some of the kind of outside struggles and trials that we will have, but he changes tack and talks about the inward struggles that we have, the temptations that we might be grappling with. James wants to be clear about temptation. It's not God who is tempting us. Temptation is something that belongs to us. It wells up inside of us. Look at how James puts it, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted 
when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when full grown, gives birth to death. It's not God who's to blame for your temptations. It's something you have to take responsibility for. It's our own desires that will seek to take us to a place that we ought not to be. You and I are tempted when those desires within us, when we start entertaining those ideas. James says that the desire then gives birth to sin. Now, it's important to realise that temptation itself is not wrong. It's what you do with the temptation that will determine whether or not you're right or wrong. Are you going to dwell on that temptation in the quieter moments? Are you going to let that temptation stir up those desires? James finishes this opening section of the letter with this, verse number 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brother and brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. We have a heavenly father who loves us and gives us all the good gifts that we need. And he has given us new birth through his son, Jesus. Whenever I hear the words perseverance and endurance, I always think of, long-distance runners. I just think what a horrible thing that is to do to yourself. Uh, it just doesn't seem quite right. But it's interesting that Christianity is supposed to be about perseverance and endurance. We kind of tend to think that our Christianity should be something that's comfortable, that it's enjoyable, that it makes us feel good. Something that doesn't take up too much time and effort something that doesn't interfere too much with our lifestyle. But endurance and perseverance are word, words that regularly come up in the pages of the New Testament to describe the Christian life. And that's what James has to say at the beginning of this letter. Go back to verse number 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There was a book that came out a couple of years ago uh, called Finishing Strong by a guy called Steve Farrar. And there was one section in the book that stunned me when I read it. It's only short and I'm going to read it for you now. Farrar says this, back in 1945, there were three young evangelists in the United States. Their names were Chuck Templeton, Bron Clifford and Billy Graham. All three men were packing auditoriums around the country and preaching the gospel. In 1945, at the age of 27, Billy Graham was working with Youth for Christ as their first full-time evangelist. He had a reputation as a gifted preacher. But so did Bron Clifford and Chuck Templeton. Clifford, at the age of 25, had set more attendance records than any clergyman of his age in American history. In 1945... There were three young preachers who seemed to be doing wonderful things. By 1955, 
Templeton had given up his ministry to pursue a career in the media and had given up also any profession of faith in Jesus. By 1955, Bron Clifford had lost his ministry, his wife, his family and his health. His last job was as a used car salesman in Texas and at the age of 35, he died of cirrhosis of the liver in a motel in Texas, a death brought on because of his severe drinking problems. It's amazing, isn't it? And even a little bit depressing to hear those stories. See, it's easy to start strong, but the characteristic that the Bible says that we should have is perseverance, endurance in our Christian lives, keeping on, keeping on. So how about you? Would you say that you are moving toward maturity as a Christian? How do you face those difficulties and hardships and setbacks in your life? Do you see them as a chance to grow and mature in your relationship with God? Or does God seem to get lost in the background? And how about when it comes to money? Do you think it may hinder your Christian life? Does it stand in the way of you moving toward maturity? Being a Christian is not always easy and perseverance and endurance are the characteristics that Christians should be striving for. Well, that's the start of James's half-time talk, but let me give you the take-home message, the big points that James makes in this first chapter. God has given us new birth through Jesus and God wants us to grow and mature as his children. He wants us to persevere, to keep working on our relationship with him, even when times get tough. He wants us to persevere in our relationship with him, and our relationship with him should be evident in every area of our lives. God wants us to persevere so we receive the crown of life that God has in store for those who love him. 